Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. on Roland Martin Unfiltered for Wednesday, July 24th, 2019. Roland is out today. I'm Monique Presley. It's Mueller time. Robert Mueller's long-awaited testimony before the House Judiciary Committee and Intelligence Committees took place today. I'll break down some key moments with the panel. Plus, a look at what some of the 2020 presidential candidates had to say at the NAACP convention in Detroit. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. It's on go, go, roll, y'all. It's rolling.
special counsel Robert Mueller began and ended his much-anticipated testimony today before the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. In his opening statement, he reiterated what he has been saying all along. His report speaks for itself. Here's an excerpt from his opening statement. As you know, in May 2017, the acting attorney general asked me to serve as special counsel. I undertook, undertook that role because I believed that it was of paramount interest to the nation to determine whether a foreign adversary had interfered in the presidential election. As the acting attorney general said at the time, the appointment was necessary in order for the American people to have full confidence, confidence in the outcome. My staff and I carried out this assignment with that critical objective in mind, to work quietly, thoroughly, and with integrity so that the public would have full confidence in the outcome. The order appointing me as special counsel directed our office to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. This included investigating any links or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the Trump campaign. It also included investigating efforts to interfere with or obstruct our investigation. Throughout the investigation, I continually stressed two things to the team that we had assembled. First, we needed to do our work as thoroughly as possible and as expeditiously as possible. It was in the public interest for our investigation to be complete and not to last a day longer than was necessary. Second, the investigation needed to be conducted fairly and with absolute integrity. Our team would not leak or take other actions that could compromise the integrity of our work. All decisions were made based on the facts and the law. During the course of our investigation, we charged more than 30 defendants with committing federal crimes, including 12 officers of the Russian military. Seven defendants have been convicted or pled guilty. Certain of the charges we brought remain pending today. And for those matters, I stress that the indictments contain allegations and every defendant is presumed innocent unless and until proven guilty. But there are certain points that bear emphasis. First, our investigation found that the Russian government interfered in our election in sweeping and systematic fashion. Second, the investigation did not establish that members of the Trump campaign conspired with the Russian government in its election interference activities. We did not address collusion, which is not a legal term. Rather, we focused on whether the evidence was sufficient to charge any member of the campaign with taking part in a criminal conspiracy, and it was not. Third, our investigation of efforts to obstruct the investigation and lie to investigators was of critical importance. Obstruction of justice strikes at the core of the government's effort to find the truth and to hold <coughs> wrongdoers accountable. Finally, as described in volume two of our report, we investigated a series of actions by the president towards the investigation. Based on Justice Department policy and principles of fairness, 
we decided we would not make a determination as to whether the president committed a crime. That was our decision then, and it remains our decision today. Over the course of my career, I have seen a number of challenges to our democracy. The Russian government's effort to interfere in our election is among the most serious. As I said on May 29th, this deserves the attention of every American. Joining me now with some analysis of today's events is my rock star panel. We have civil rights attorney Robert Patillo, Dr. Niambi Carter, assistant professor of the political science department at the one and only Howard <laughs> University, HU. You know. Had to get that in. <laughs> and Republican strategist Chris Prudhomme. Welcome to Roland Martin Unfiltered, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. What a day. Uh, I, I just want to say at the top, and I know all he's given is his preliminary remarks so far, but I'd like to lay some ground rules. <laughs> I listened, I watched, I paid attention to the hearings today. Anybody else watching and paying attention? I know oh, you guys hours. are paying attention. <laughs> right. Uh, and then I listened and I paid attention to the so-called analysis and reporting afterward. So what I would prefer us to do with this time that we have to give our people some information is stick to facts, sound analysis, reason-based arguments, right? I don't want to hear about who performed better, who's winning the war on the pissing contest between Mueller and the president, or any such shenanigans because this time is precious. Can we agree back to those ground rules? Agreed. <laughs> All right. So... Come on, Professor. Uh, what he says is what he's been saying. Mm -hmm. But what was your main takeaway just from the opening when he had an opportunity to spend his three minutes any way that he wanted to? Mm -hmm. This is what he gave us. Well, I mean, I think the the attention to the ways in which Russians did interfere, leaving aside whether the Donald Trump campaign uh, participated in any of this or encouraged this behavior, but this idea that we should be concerned about the sanctity of our democracy and our elections as being an overarching concern. And I think that's not partisan. I think that's actually something that all people should care about. And I think that was the fact that he spent so much time talking about that rather than all of the other stuff and really hitting home that we have another election coming up, this can happen again, and we haven't really done anything, I think, in intervening time to really shore up our democracy against these kinds of attacks. Right, okay, now, and, and certainly he did that, and I think that that's where he ended when he gave his one statement about <laughs> the hearing that came before today's testimony, and that's where he started today. And every good lawyer at least knows <laughs> that how you open and how you finish is what you want people to remember. But what did you think, Esquire, of um, his ground rules in terms of this is why I'm here and this is why I'm not here? Well, it's one of those interesting points. Listening to the media analysis and even some of the comments from our esteemed Congress people, uh, Seneca the, uh, the Younger said the disappointment is based on expectations. And many people expected something different out of this hearing than what they got. Robert Mueller told us on the 29th when he did his press conference, I'm just going to read to you exactly what is in the report. He told us during his opening, I'm only going to talk about what is in the report. The uh, letter from Attorney General Barr said, we're only going to talk about what is in the report. 
He talked about exactly what was in the report. He did not answer questions outside the four corners of the report. He did not go into uh, some of the wild goose chases that people wanted to take him on. He did not say what people wanted him to say on either side of the aisle. He did exactly what he's supposed to do as a seasoned prosecutor. He stuck to the law, stuck to the facts, and uh, people on both sides of the aisle seem upset about that. I think we live in such a partisan time that when somebody is just doing their job and being nonpartisan and not trying to pretend to be a cable news talking head, that people are amazed, like, what do you mean? Like, you're, you're just talking about the facts. Why would you do that? What's wrong with him? And if you looked at a social media, people made it seem like he had dementia, like he had Alzheimer's or something. Like, no, he's just answering the question in a thoughtful and considerate matter. He's determining whether or not it's a privileged issue. He's determining whether or not it's confidential, whether or not it uh, inf interferes with any other ongoing prosecutions or investigations. And he's saying, refer to the report. I'm not going to read to you from the 400-page report. You have the 400-page report. And other than that, leave me alone. I'm a 74-year-old man. I'm going home. Right. And that's well, all he did. Well, no. And I, it, I, I have some issues about the ageism because I don't even know why the fact that he's 74 ever comes up with anybody because the job that he did did and the way that he did it for somebody who's had to prep witnesses before and somebody who's had to be in the lawyer chair as a witness in a case that I've supervised that is the seat nobody no age I don't care top of your game not top of your game that seat is hotter than anybody can imagine just looking at it because your landmines are invisible Everywhere. when they're asking you the question you're like let me think, you know, and you're tooling in your head. How can I answer this and not say this, but still say that and be true to that all at the same time? But we're still on the opening, which means I get to come to my Republican friend for the day. God bless you. God bless you. And they put you so close to me, which means I got to be extra nice. Um, Robinson, a Chris, here's the thing. Just from his opening remarks, to me, I couldn't understand why in a few minutes later, and we're going to see it, right off of the gates, the good old GOP, the party of Reagan, was like, it was like too much coffee. All he was saying is, here's what's in my report, here's what's important, here's what I plan to say, here's what I don't plan to say, this is the job that I've been doing for the past quarter century of my life, period. What there could have gotten people so worked up. Well, uh, again, back to Robert's point, I would look, we live in such a, a polarizing time. Uh, that's just really what it comes down to. Uh, you look at uh, Jim Jordan, uh, when he was speaking with such passion and, passion and enthusiasm, even I was like, wait a minute, you know, but uh, going back to him and Comey's relationship, obviously it's common sense they work together, so Comey obviously is a friend. Uh, again, a lot of this is just sensationalism and I think it's really overproduced. And, uh, uh, and unfortunately, I do think obviously it was a disaster. Uh, 2020 is going to be all about battleground states, and Pelosi seems to understand that. Uh, many people on the left seem to not understand that. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they have to kind of get back and kind of center to. And this entire hearing was exactly uh, uh, what it was supposed to be, what exactly what the report was. And I think people went into this uh, hearing with expectations in the media uh, on both sides. Uh, horrible job at pumping it up as if, as if first of all, as if, I don't think a majority of America really cares, but they almost in a way made you want to care and say this is what is pumped up as some, some big movie. And then when it happened, people's expectations were, well, wait a minute, you know, to Robert's point, Mueller, uh, you know, spoke very methodically, which, which people interpreted as slowly, whatever the case may be. <laughs> but he did the right thing. He wanted to be certain and sure because he knew every single word and every sentence he said would be ripped apart and, and ripped to pieces. 
He was an expert witness with which I would have had no problems. I would have been the lawyer in the back going, yes, right, 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 right. you waited well, just like I told you to. But uh, let's get to the rest of it in a minute. Let's kind of try to move on. Lawmakers on the House Judiciary Committee spent hours grilling Mr. Mueller. I don't know if I would call it grilling, but okay. But didn't get much information beyond what was written in the report because the report was for Hey, y'all. One of the more successful exchanges was right off the bat between him and Judiciary Chair Representative Jerry Nadler. Director Mueller, the president has repeatedly claimed that your report found there was no obstruction and that it completely and totally exonerated him. But that is not what your report said, is it? Correct. It is not what the report said. And now, reading from page two of volume two of your report that's on the screen, you wrote, quote, if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. Based on the facts and the applicable legal standards, however, we are unable to reach that judgment, close quote. Now, does that say there was no obstruction? No. In fact, you were actually unable to conclude the president did not commit obstruction of justice. Is that correct? Well, we, uh, uh, at the outset, uh, determined that we, uh, when it came to the, uh, the, the president's culpability, uh, we, needed to, uh, we, needed, we needed to go forward only after taking into account the OLC opinion that indicated that a president, a sitting president, cannot be... Uh, Indicted. So the report did not conclude that he did not commit obstruction of justice. Is that correct? That is correct. And what about total exoneration? Did you actually totally exonerate the president? No. Now, in fact, your report expressly states that it does not exonerate the president. It does. So right off the bat, we have these months' worth of lies from an attorney general, a misleading written statement issued by that same attorney general, uh, GOP members who knew exactly what the report said and instead chose to follow that lying party line of no obstruction, no collusion, total exoneration, because we now live in that era right of those types of sound bites i gotta tell you the thing that that bothers me about it is i just don't believe that the american public is that stupid I don't believe, uh, because I grew up in a family where people had varying levels of education, and especially in communities of color where we had people who were first to go to this and first to go to that, but they still watched the news every single night. Mm -hmm. They still read the newspaper every single morning, and they did their best to find out the information for themselves. So it really concerns me that even in somebody who's supposed to be trusted like an attorney general, he can come out and say, this is what it says, and it seems like millions of people just took it. I mean, well, let's go to Nia before. Oh, I was going to say, I think it can be overwhelming. I think the, the breadth and the depth of that report 
um, for the average person would just be a lot to take in. But I also think we're talking about finer points of language, right? Um, not because people don't understand what an exoneration is, but because he's saying, well, um, conspiracy and collusion are roughly the same thing, but collusion is not legal, and this is. And then there is no evidence to necessarily say he obstructed justice, but there's also nothing to say that he didn't, right? And I think that part is probably what leaves people with a bit of a murkiness about all of this, because then I think some people are often saying, too, well, what was this about anyway, exactly? And it's not because people are dumb, but I think because of the, the back and forth about it, there's not been a unanimous sort of voice speaking about what is this thing about, what is this process for, and what are we supposed to take away from that? And that should be, and I think we, I think we are all in agreement here, that should be nonpartisan because our job is to do the best for our citizens and bringing our citizens, um, you know, uh, unbiased information to let people then make whatever decisions they want to make about who they favor or don't favor or what should happen next is what we're supposed to be doing but we see so much of this has been caught up with standing by your man whoever that may be in this fight and nobody is really helping people distill these finer points of what this actually means because he did say there could still be charges pending that's right at some point that's right but robert mm -hmm. here's the thing um in my opinion, the, the fatal flaw thus far of the ones who I believe are on the right side of justice on this, the Dems, is you can't leave that up to the chief investigator to make the case for you to the American people. The chief investigator has given you everything you need in this document and then it's your responsibility to convince your constituents that what's in here matters and translate it to plain language so for instance it was huge for me today when i heard at the top where Mueller was acknowledging, no, there wasn't any complete exoneration. No, you know, we didn't find that there was no obstruction of justice. But then what needs to be said to convert that to something that people can understand? One of my professors at Clark Atlanta, Professor Johnny Wilson, political science department, said that the entire point of education is to learn how to translate, how to translate original language to ordinary language. That's what Democrats fail at. That's what they fail out in every election cycle. Uh, they got outplayed, outflanked, and outmessaged the entire time of this Mueller investigation. L let's think about something. Michael Jordan is not the best basketball player to ever live. You know, Wilt Chamberlain has way more points. Bill Russell has more championships. He is the best marketed basketball player of all time, and that's why there's an entire generation that thinks he's the best basketball player of all time. What Republicans realized two years ago is that this was going to be a PR battle, not a legal battle. That's why Rudy Giuliani became the president's lawyer, not for legal strategy, but for television strategy. And they realized that if you message this as no obstruction, no collusion, people can understand that. I don't care what your level of education is. No, corrupt, no, no uh, collusion, no obstruction. But then Democrats are coming with their messaging. Well, there's a meeting and a steel dossier, and then they went to, and then there's Michael, uh, Michael Flynn, then there's Gates. People can't digest that. So all that the president has to had, knew he had to do is prevent public opinion from turning against him to the point that um, the House would be able to start impeachment proceedings. The Mueller investigation said, I am not reaching any conclusion on this. It is in the House of Representatives to start impeachment proceedings to investigate this further. So the president played this perfectly. I know people try to pretend that he's an idiot, but the Democrats keep getting outplayed by somebody that they say is an idiot. So at some point that reflects poorly upon you.
Right, but here's here's the thing, and I'll I'll switch idiot for uh, fascist, because isn't it true then that what a dictator does is say the same thing over and over again in shorter and shorter sound bites, absent any explanation whatsoever, and it doesn't matter that those things are not true. It's just the cycle of repetition. I mean, that's what propaganda is based on. That's what yellow journalism is about. All of those things have at their core say it over and over. Like, I can meet you every day and tell you that you're wearing a red tie until you're probably at one point going to go in the mirror and be this is still blue, isn't it? Because I'm the only voice that you're hearing and the loudest one. Is that not what's been happening with this president? Because he hasn't been telling the truth. Uh, so, so look, I, I think there's both sides are, are, are doing exactly. Oh God. Are doing exactly just both that. Uh, going back to sides. what I was saying. Look, Here we go. Uh, when you look at the report, essentially what it is is it's uh, yes, people have access to it, uh, and you said they have, they have the ability to look at the entire foreign affairs report. Yes, they do. However, it almost serves as kind of a cliff note, so to speak. So when you when you speak about uh, Monique, about uh, it's, it's representatives, it's their job to uh, serve their constituents and let them understand it. But I don't think that's really feasible in the sense of because the media says, well, this is what it is, this is what you should care about, and that's a cliff note, and that's that. And I think that is the deeper problem is that there is the, there's not opportunity to really look at the substance in the report itself because we've already dictated, and other you know other uh, media outlets have already dictated what this actually is and what you should be defining and looking at. Period. So when you're going into a hearing like this, you have two sides. One side supports the president said, oh, he didn't do anything, he didn't instruct any. The other side says, you certainly did do it, and we're going to prove it even more, and what you're saying is why. And so we really can't get to it. Back to your point, it's so all over the place that there really is no bottom line, okay, what exactly happened? What is the, what, is, what actually, what are we here for? And I think that is what the White House looked at today as a win and what President Trump talked about uh, and when he was on the way to West Virginia today is uh, that he looks at it as a win. There, there was no uh, aspect of, of doing anything wrong and now look at culpability. What do you mean there was no aspect well, of doing well, anything wrong? Well, when Please, you look, when you look at, me. sure, when you look at, for example, <laughs> culpability, as, as Mueller talked about, it, it's kind of a fine line in, a ter in the sense of President Trump, uh, you have to be willing. To, you have to be uh, knowledgeable and willing, knowing uh, uh, in terms of in terms of uh, uh, collusion, whether they want to use in for the campaign. Now, were there other individuals who perhaps could have done things without his knowledge? I mean, that's not President Trump's fault. Uh, okay, but, so you're talking about the collusion and conspiracy part cor of it. Correct. You're correct. not saying that when he told his own White House counsel to lie about a directive that he gave him that he didn't know that was wrong. Well, well, uh, like uh, when he directed his own counsel to lie to the investigators at the FBI who are investigating him for obstruction and he sent a messenger to tell him and then after he sent a messenger to tell him he called him and told him and then he brought him into the Oval Office and told him and wanted him to write something for the file saying indeed what I told you to do get rid of Mueller never happened you're, you're saying you don't understand as opposed to fighting uh, getting rid of Mueller I mean you do have people around no but he didn't resign. Well, right, right. But he you, stayed for a year and a half after that happened. Correct, but we don't know all the dynamics of why and, and why not is what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm guessing on crazy man in the office. <laughs> I better try to do what I can. Um, he's right, though, right? Media is complicit in this. That's what we talked about at the top because we've had this messaging and for me I think something that gets lost is but, but guys, we're talking about a foreign power 
interfering in our election and the entire first volume of a report comes out listing in great detail how that happened and the reports that we're getting back are the whatabouts in the fine print of that not the how do we keep this from happening again this is what happened to you let us explain the news which is what i tweeted today i'm like there's so much news in this hearing why isn't it being reported why why are we talking about the way people appear and the optics and the look of it when there's a body of news that we know as you said is girthy for people to actually go through the report, what what responsibility does media have? The media absolutely and has that's a responsibility. Us. I'm right, exactly. Us. I mean, yeah. it really is the fourth branch. It's supposed to be, right? Their job is to inform the people regardless of the fallout. And I think what we've seen here is that Donald Trump, as you said, you know, um, I t actually teach propaganda. One of the things that people do is repeat the same thing over and over, but it also requires the media to report yeah. that same yes. thing over and over. And we saw it in 2016 and we see it now. He says anything he wants and people will report on it as if it's fact. I yes. mean, sometimes you do have people coming around fact checking, but who is fact checking when they're listening to the person they like? or they're listening to this person who looks like he's credible, right? He is in the office, he has the authority, he has all of the, the proper things that he's supposed to have as a president, which is this dedicated press corps that is content in a lot of cases to just say what he said and say it again and again and again, and then sort of in the fine print say, oh, but that wasn't really true, or that there's this sort of other context, right, to, to think about these comments, and people aren't usually going to the fine print and to the footnotes. And I think what media has done is really become entertainment, not all media. I mean, I think radio is a great place. I in call it cases. infotainment. But mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. definitely the media is about entertaining people. It's about ratings. It's about the juiciest bits, which is why we're probably going to see the the screaming matches, or I can't even call it a match, the screaming at Mueller that occurred right. today, rather than, like you said, some of the sort of more interesting nuanced comments that were made. Um, because this is what the business of the news is now, and it is a business or, in every forget, sense of the word. Forget the interesting nuanced things. Let's go with the 126 separate contacts with Russians by the campaign. <laughs> you know, let's let's go with big bright lines. Let's go with repeated lies. Let's go with where Mueller can, said, you know, in the written submission that the president sent, yeah. um, there were things on it that were false. Perjury, anybody? Yeah. Perjury. But Hello, I can, you know, Congress, as a kid of perjury. the 80s, where the Soviet Union as a thing, right, and Russia as an entity was like our biggest fear and there were movies about it there's the red dawns and all this stuff and to see this happening now this looks like a movie script that was written in the 1980s about our worst fear so the fact that it's here and people are sort of it's sort of lost on people and we're kind of all loosey-goosey about this and not concerned that we have a foreign country circumventing our democracy and potentially a a political figure as large as the president who may or may not have participated with these people, or at least his operatives were participating. Um, and nobody is alarmed, and nobody right. seems well, to be. Well, right, and it's scary. Hold on, hold on, hold on, because we have plenty more to, for us to get to. I'm, I'm going to get right back to you, but we, the Dems had their plan, and the Republicans certainly had theirs, and it was completely untethered from facts. On the Republican side, the strategy seemed to be talk fast, scream a lot, and protect the president. Isn't it true the evidence did not establish that the president or those close to him were involved in the charged Russian computer hacking or active measure conspiracies or that the president otherwise had unlawful relationships with any Russian official? Volume 2, page 76, correct? I uh, leave the answer to the uh, our report. So as a yes. 
You stated that you would stay within the report. I just stated your report back to you. And you said that collusion, collusion and conspiracy were not synonymous terms. That was your answer was no. That's correct. In that, page 180 of volume one of your report, it says, as defined in legal dictionaries, collusion is largely synonymous with conspiracy as that crime is set forth in general conspiracy statute 18 U.S.C. 371. Now, you said you chose your words carefully. Are you contradicting your report right now? Not when I read it. So you would change your answer to no, yes, then? No. The, uh, if you look at the language. I'm reading your report, sir. It's yeah, a yes or no page, answer. Page 180. Page 180, volume one. Okay. This was from your report. Correct. And I, uh, I, I uh, leave it with the uh, report. So the report says, yes, they are synonymous. Yes. Hopefully for finally, out of your own report, we can put to bed the collusion and conspiracy. Did you ever look into other in countries investigated in the Russian uh, interference into our election? Were other countries investigated or found knowledge that they I, had I, interference in our election? I'm not going to discuss uh, other matters. Nifsen told Papadopoulos, Papadopoulos tells the diplomat, the diplomat tells the FBI, the FBI opens the investigation July 31st, 2016, and here we are three years later, July of 2019, the country's been put through this, and the central figure who launches it all lies to us, and you guys don't hunt him down and interview him again, and you don't charge him with a crime. The president was falsely accused of conspiracy. The FBI does a 10-month investigation, and James Comey, when we deposed him a year ago, told us at that point they had nothing. You do a 22-month investigation. At the end of that 22 months, you find no conspiracy. And what's the Democrats want to do? They want to keep investigating. They want to keep going. Maybe a better course of action, maybe a better course of action is to figure out how the false accusation started. Maybe it's to go back and actually figure out why Joseph Nipsid was lying to the FBI. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. That's exactly what Bill Barr is doing. And thank goodness for that. That's exactly what the Attorney General and John Durham are doing. They're going to find out why we went through this three-year three saga and get to the bottom of it. Now, regarding collusion or conspiracy, you didn't find evidence of any agreement, I'm quoting you, among the Trump campaign officials and any Russia-linked individuals to interfere with our U.S. election, correct? Correct. So you also note in the report that an element of any of those obstructions you referenced requires a corrupt state of mind, correct? Corrupt intent, correct. Right. And if somebody knows they did not conspire with anybody from Russia to affect the election, and they see the big Justice Department with people that hate that person coming after them, and then a special counsel appointed who hires dozen or more people that hate that person, and he knows he's innocent. He's not corruptly acting in order to see that justice is done. What he's doing is not obstructing justice. He is pursuing justice, and the fact that you Gentlemen's ran it out it. two years means Gentlemen's you perpetuated injustice. I take Gentlemen's your question. On the week of June 9, who did Russian lawyer Veselnitskaya meet with more frequently? The Trump campaign or Glenn Simpson, who is functionally acting as an operative for the Democratic National Committee? Well, what I think is missing here is the fact that uh, this is under investigation other in, uh, elsewhere in the Justice I Department. And if I can finish, sir, and if I can finish, sir, and consequently it's not within my purview, I, Department of Justice and FBI 
should be responsive to questions on this particular issue. It is absurd to suggest that a operative for the Democrats was meeting with this Russian lawyer the day before and the day after the Trump Tower meeting, and yet that's not something you reference. Now, Glenn Simpson testified under oath he had dinner with Veselnitskaya the day before and the day after this meeting with the Trump team. Do you have any basis as you sit here today to believe that Steele was lying? As I said before, I'll say again, it's not my purview. Others are investigating what you uh, so, so it's not address. your purview to look into whether or not Steele's lying. It's not your purview to look into whether or not anti-Trump Russians are lying to Steele. And it's not your purview to look at whether or not Glenn Simpson was meeting with the Russians the day before and the day after you write 3,500 words about the Trump campaign meeting. The guy who said viva la resistance. Peter, Peter struck work for me for a period of time, yes. Yeah, but so did the other guy that said viva la resistance. And here's what I'm kind of noticing, Director Mueller. When people associated with Trump lied, you threw the book at him. When Christopher Steele lied, nothing. And so it seems to be that when Glenn Simpson met with Russians, nothing. When the Trump campaign met with Russians, 3,500 words. And maybe the reason why there are this discrepancies in what you focused on is because the team time was the, so biased. Time of the gentleman the has expired. Pledge to stop Trump. So we were someplace between, as Robert said, auctioneering yes. <laughs> uh, and just screaming like banshees. And it left me knowing, one, um, there was no real concern about the American public understanding anything they were saying because it was Russian name here, Russian name there, FISA, when did you, why did you not? So they went outside of the report basically saying, why weren't these things in the report as opposed to asking about things that were actually in the report. And then it, unless they were performing for an audience of one, which I suspect they were because the president in his soundbite on his way to West Virginia said, the way that they stuck up for me, you know, like that was their job as opposed to working for the American people. But here's my point, um, and, and, and uncoached, right? Because if you actually want people to hear you, you don't yell. If you're trying to get a point across, I mean, if you're trying to be effective at getting a point across, and I know they know how because when it's their witnesses, they don't do that. But what's the net gain, basically, from all of those questions that nobody understood anything about? Well, well first off, I think you kind of have to, in a sense, I think what Jim Jordan and those guys were doing was kind of building a case outside so they can say, look, it's bigger than just let's talk about why this is even here. And, and that's where they were, they were giving names we were talking about uh, during the break of people haven't heard about. Names I was like, wait, who's that again? But that's my point. We should focus on the facts of who are these individuals, why, and get to the root of what the actual issue is. And, I think and, that, and why is it important for us to get to the root of the person who was at the meeting when he found out that the Russians were peddling information? Why, why is it important whether that person got a deal, which of course we know he did, but Mueller wouldn't say, and why that person ended up not charged, as opposed to the real root of, oh, what happened is, Russia was peddling information. Isn't Russia the root as opposed to the one person who actually brought the information to the well, FBI? No, again, perhaps with perhaps other individuals and, and things going on that the public should know about and that maybe we don't know that they have access to information to, perhaps. But I, I, think, I think the bigger thing is I don't think they were, uh, uh, so to speak, uh, cheering uh, for the president so he can watch them. I think that they were passionate um, and frustrated uh, the past couple of years that this has been going on. I think they essentially were uh, uh, 
supporting uh, the party, so to speak, and supporting what they actually believe in. I think the Democrats do the same thing. I saw a hearing a few days ago, and they were just at a different ballgame. They were yelling at I mean, everybody does that. I think at the end of the day, there's passion, there's frustration, and that is why we got what we got in, the, in their uh, speeches. And that's actually one of the things that they used in one of their little semi-closings today to justify why the president was running around lying and trying to get people to obstruct justice, that he was so innocent, that he was frustrated. I get so emotional, type frustrated about it, that his frustration led him to do things that maybe he shouldn't have and say things that he shouldn't have. I'm interested, I'm moving on, but I'm interested, Professor, in all these emotional men when I thought we were supposed to be the emotional creatures who were unfit to lead and serve because we would be like caught in our feelings and the men would be able to be so much more objective. What has done happened? Well, I mean, I think this is, I mean, I, I don't disagree with Chris in that this is the moment we're in. This is what passes for reason deliberation now, mm -hmm. screaming at people. And I'm sorry, I think it's rich that this man who ran full-page ads calling for the death of innocent children in newspapers is talking about how persecuted he is. He is well. the last person that I'm going to cry a tear over, in part because you have all these other men who are covering for him. And I think you're exactly right here. They are creating the defense for Donald Trump. Yeah. They are raising these names and just effectively passing the ball. Who is Kislyak? Who is this person? Who is this person? Lisa Page and Strzok had a affair? Like, what's that about? And creating all of this reasonable doubt. I, I think that's what it's called. I'm not an attorney. <laughs> but essentially creating the terms that says, well, there were so many hands in the pot. Of course Donald Trump couldn't be guilty because all these other people were doing stuff. And if your defense is, but 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 so-and-so got a deal and my guy didn't, did, didn't, get a, didn't get a deal, it's not fair, that's not much of a defense at all. And that's exactly what I heard all of these men invariably right. doing is trying to pass around enough guilt, right? Because there are right. people on all sides who are doing bad things. And I'm like, Come on, people. If we can't actually have a conversation about a duly sworn uh, legal document from a person that was brought in as a Republican, by a Republican, into the FBI talking about um, Robert Mueller and under the, the, the leadership of a, of a James Comey and all these guys who were also Republicans and say that, hey, there might be something in this document worth excavating, then what are we doing here other right. than political theater? Right. Well, but hold on, hold on, because I, I agree with you and I agree with you that they were intentionally doing the outside thing. But here's the thing. This is one of the areas where I'm critical. Um, of the Democrats, even though I must say, and I'm looking at my notes right now, last night I sat down and did some notes like, okay, if they had had like any good sense and hired a strategist for <laughs> what the game plan was going to be for today, mm -hmm. here's what I think from a trial lawyer, crisis management perspective, the game plan should be. But I was pleasantly surprised because I was writing down, you should have your clear clear categories, you should have your assigned examiners, you should share your time, you should do all, and they did all those things. But what I also wrote and I giggled about was, if you don't have anybody who has like sensei level, Kamala Harris level <laughs> examination <laughs> skills, then you got to stick to the script and you got to be talking to each other when there comes a time where you have to do something that's off the script. Mm -hmm. Here's where they failed that, because Robert Mueller, one of the only times he was actually going to offer more. 
he wanted to explain the fact that there were other investigations by other branches that addressed these things, but whoever the dim was on the other side was like, I'm short on time, and I'm like, let's see. When you have a witness who is as cagey and guarded and deliberate and disciplined as this man, and he for one time says, and another thing, I'd be like, Ian Hutton's talking. Right, right. <laughs> What's he going to say? Well, so. well, the, the, the issue was, and this is what Democrats do also, uh, often, the Republicans found out there's a baseball game, so they showed up with a baseball glove, some cleats, and a baseball bat. The Democrats found out there was a baseball game. They came with some soccer uh, shorts on. They came with a basketball and a badminton uh, racket. The Democrats were not playing the game that Republicans were playing. Republicans were playing a, uh, playing a game where they realized we are on defense. We just need to run the clock out and muddy the water. So what they did was mu run the clock out and muddy the waters. Democrats had the affirmative uh, burden to bear. They had to get Robert Mueller to show the American people that obstruction did indeed happen. And the only reason he did not they, he did not charge President Trump was because of the DOJ memo. That was the only thing that uh, that they needed to get out of the hearing, and they failed to get that. Oh, Repu did you? think so? Because I thought that came in the first two minutes of the well, hearing. Well, oh, no, because what they kept trying to do, uh, Democrat after Democrat kept trying to get Robert Mueller to affirmatively say that he would have charged President Trump if he wasn't president. Uh, president. And they did not have a Kamala Harris there. They did not have somebody with the cross-examination skills. They needed Joe Biden Except on that. Except he did affirmatively say it. Oh, he no, had no, to he, come back and walk back a little bit of it. Yeah, he walked but back he did the, affirmatively yeah. say that it is because of the memorandum that they didn't even get to the estimation, but they continued the investigation because they wanted to to preserve the record while it was fresh. It's only really a low moron who can't understand. You don't go forward where there is no evidence. You investigate where there is. And then he laid out 10 areas of potential obstruction, and then they arrested people who lied about it. So to me, to say that the Dems went in there and didn't extract from this report, and I, I also take exception with, the, with it being a game. This isn't a game. This is people's lives. This is but, the United but, States but, of America. But, the, the the Republicans definitely did their their circus show job, but I believe the Dems should not have run offense in that manner because it was actually supposed to be a serious committee hearing. They were going back to the times where we actually tried to do business and get information from the witnesses, but I got to go to break. We're going to talk about all these things and more when we come back on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Stay tuned. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, you heard me talk a lot about MarijuanaStock.org. Why? Because I want to keep you informed of investment opportunities that make sense. We have all watched the growth of the cannabis industry. A recent report by New Frontier Data estimates the global cannabis market at over $340 billion. We know that marijuana legalization is sweeping the country state by state. We also know that marijuana has a good cousin, the hemp plant, with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all of the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hemp was farming was practically illegal in the U.S. and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, the 2018 Farm Bill changed all of that, making it legal to grow hemp CBD in the U.S. and creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. 
and they need land to grow all of the plants. Folks, this is not rocket science. It's just an investment, an incredible investment opportunity, and that's where our good friends at 420 Real Estate come in. In their business model, it is simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right. They are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. Our friends at 420 Real Estate decided to do something special for the Roland Martin Unfiltered family. Originally, the minimum investment level was 500 bucks. Right now, though, you can invest in the crowdfunding campaign for as little as $200. The range is from $200 to $10,000. Again, this is a $340 billion industry okay, that is still growing, and you can get in with as little as 200 bucks. To invest, go to MarijuanaStock.org. That's MarijuanaStock.org. Get in the game, and you can do it now house intelligence house intelligence committee chairman adam schiff used his opening statement to attack president trump he said that it doesn't matter if his attempts to obstruct special counsel robert Mueller's investigation amount to a crime they amounted to something worse disloyalty to country this is also a story about money about greed and corruption about the leadership of a campaign willing to compromise the nation's interest, not only to win, but to make money at the same time. About a campaign chairman indebted to pro-Russian interests who tried to use his position to clear his debts and make millions. About a national security advisor using his position to make money from still other foreign interests. And about a candidate trying to make more money than all of them put together through a real estate project that to him was worth a fortune hundreds of millions of dollars and the realization of a lifelong ambition, a Trump Tower in the heart of Moscow. A candidate who, in fact, viewed his whole campaign as the greatest infomercial in history. Donald Trump and his senior staff were not alone in their desire to use the election to make money. For Russia, too, there was a powerful financial motive. Putin wanted relief from U.S. economic sanctions imposed in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and over human rights violations. The secret Trump Tower meeting between the Russians and senior campaign officials was about sanctions. The secret conversations between Flynn and the Russian ambassador were about sanctions. Trump and his team wanted more money for themselves, and the Russians wanted more money for themselves and for their oligarchs. But the story doesn't end here either, where your report also tells a story about lies. Lots of lies. Lies about a gleaming tower in Moscow and lies about talks with the Kremlin. Lies about the firing of FBI Director James Comey and lies about efforts to fire you, Director Mueller, and lies to cover it up. Lies about secret negotiations with the Russians over sanctions and lies about WikiLeaks. Lies about polling data and lies about hush money payments. Lies about meetings in the Seychelles to set up secret back channels and lies about a secret meeting in New York Trump Tower. Lies to the FBI, lies to your staff, and lies to this committee. Lies to obstruct an investigation into the most serious attack on our democracy by a foreign power in our history. Even now, after 448 pages and two volumes, the deception continues. The president and his acolytes say your report found no collusion, though your report explicitly declined to address that question, since collusion can involve both criminal and non-criminal conduct. Your report laid out multiple offers of Russian help 
to the Trump campaign, the campaign's acceptance of that help, and overt acts in furtherance of Russian help. To most Americans, that is the very definition of collusion, whether it is a crime or not. They say your report found no evidence of obstruction, though you outline numerous actions by the president intended to obstruct the investigation. They say the president has been fully exonerated, though you specifically declare you could not exonerate him. In fact, they say your whole investigation was nothing more than a witch hunt, that the Russians didn't interfere in our election, that it's all a terrible hoax. The real crime, they say, is not that the Russians intervened to help Donald Trump, but that the FBI had the temerity to investigate it when they did. But worst of all, worse than all the lies and the greed, is the disloyalty to country. For that too continues. When asked if the Russians intervene again, will you take their help, Mr. President? Why not? was the essence of his answer, everyone does it. No, Mr. President, they don't. Not in the America envisioned by Jefferson, Madison, and Hamilton. Not for those who believe in the idea that Lincoln labored until his dying day to preserve. The idea animating our great national experiments, so unique then, so precious still, that our government is chosen by our people through our franchise, and not by some hostile foreign power. This is what is at stake. Our next election, and the one after that, for generations to come, our democracy. This is why your work matters, Director Mueller. This is why our investigation matters, to bring these dangers to light. Um, what struck me through all of the morning session and then hit home for me with membership uh, was this, and Roland teases me about my career motto because I told him a few years ago it's saving America one black man at a time. <laughs> um, and what every member said at the end of their questioning in the morning was that they were certain but for it being the President of the United States, any other American who engaged in such conduct would have been charged with a crime. And when I listened to that list from uh, Member Schiff, and looked at the things people had been saying to me on Twitter, why does this matter to us? Why do we care? What is this, how does this relate to the black community? And we're on this show, so it's appropriate conversation. What I kept trying to say back is, if we're gonna fight for civil rights, Counselor Patillo, it has to matter that the President of the United States can commit conduct that was it you or you or you or me, we would have already seen the underbelly of the jail. How do we talk to our people and let them know 
this is why this matters enough, even though I know you still don't have your health insurance right, and I know you're still not making a minimum wage, and I know you're still not getting treated fairly here, and I know you still, and yes or no, so when you get pulled over by the cops, but this right here should matter. Well, you know, one, one of my favorite closings I ever did at a trial was, is you is or is you ain't? And by that, I mean that there's an affirmative duty to prove things. There's an affirmative duty uh, to make sure people understand, is you is. And Democrats did a very poor job today of proving that and making that case. Uh, Chairman Schiff, uh, Congressman Ted Lieu, and Lucy McBeth from Georgia did the best job all day of making it plain exactly what we're here for, exactly what we're talking about, and exactly what is at stake. Because if, the, if we do not have integrity in our elections, then nothing else matters. This is all just uh, shell games. It's all just funny games because your tax dollars ultimately are not being decided by your Congress people or by your duly elected representatives. It's getting, um, it's getting decided by corporate interests. It's getting uh, decided by foreign governments. It's being decided by an oligarchy which is un, uh, not responsible to the American people. And that's how you help people understand that this actually does affect you. On, on my social media, I saw more people in our community talking about Nicole Murphy than talking about the hearing today. And I think that the problem for Democrats has been converting these important issues, distilling it down the way that Brock could, where he would just say hope and change, the fierce urgency of now, things that people could hold on to, and even if you don't completely understand the full issue, you understand that it's something you need to be concerned about. Instead, they went on these deep sea fishing trips which just muddied the waters republicans were allowed to run the clock out to basically right but it's not it's, it's and, not and i get point, you, i get your point happened. but it's it's not a democratic failing it's not a democratic problem because actually every member of that committee was supposed to care about this it's not the the democrats who are supposed to care about the judicial system or care about whether the the president is able to commit a crime and get away with it or whether the american people have people who you know do their jobs as public servants that's what the good grand old party is supposed to care about too, right? I mean, we're not supposed to be okay, are we, with that laundry list of things that were done factually. Those are findings of things that happened or the lies that were told to cover it up. Shouldn't everybody care about that? Well, I, I think more more importantly, it's time for our, <clears throat> excuse me, it's time for our nation to. To, to come together, it's time for everyone to look at a more unified approach. And I don't, and it's challenging to do that when you have uh, different media outlets saying different things, and you have members of Congress. I don't know, not to be funny, I don't know what the former what they call them, the squad. I don't know what the, their name is, but uh, when you have members of Congress who call right, them and they don't even and, have anything to do with this today, well, the, and they don't have anything to do with this hearing, and I'm not even going to let you try it. What I'm asking you is, shouldn't the GOP care? about whether a presidential campaign is cozying up to and receiving information from a foreign enemy and shouldn't the GOP care about the lies that were told and the people who were arrested for that happening? Isn't that an obligation of your party? Well, I think it's an obligation of all parties, and I, and I don't. Think yeah, that's that, what, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. So that's that's I, I, Democrats well, and Republicans, well, well, right? I, I don't think that they do not not care. I mean, I mean. They, I couldn't follow all those negatives. Nambi, <laughs> we're running out of time. Closing thoughts. Well, my closing thought, I mean, I think to all of this is that it's not a political theater. It shouldn't be. But I do think Representative Schiff 
had the message of the day. And I think they have to repeat this over and over and over again. Unfortunately, Democrats are going to be the only ones repeating this because Republicans see an allegation of a potential crime and Democrats see a crime. And I think what he talked about is this man violated his oath of office, right? He is actually derelict in his duty as president to lead this nation and to protect us from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that, to me, is the bigger smoking gun than anything we got out of this day. So all people have to be mindful that our democracy is a very fragile thing. And if we don't protect it, then no one else will. And certainly for our communities, for black communities that are the most vulnerable, we must be at the front line of this fight in, in the House, in the Senate, and everywhere else. Yep. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered. I certainly hope that you have enjoyed the show, but more importantly than that, I hope we've provoked something in you that causes you to want to know more, do more, hear more. The entire report is available online. Go read it. The entire hearing is available right now on C-SPAN and a whole bunch of other networks and channels. Go and look at it for yourself. Bruh man who's looking at me right now, you know what obstruction is more than anything anybody else because you dealing with a trumped up charge right now do you really want to know that your president and all of his cronies can get away with it when you can't do you want the fact that he is in the white house on the government dime to be the only reason that he's not under a jail is that what you really want if you don't come on y'all dig in tune in check in lean in stand up do something to get in this fight because as the professor said we're in the fight of our lives be sure to tune in again tomorrow when Roland will be back and I'll be off my soapbox with a deeper look at what the 2020 presidential candidates had to say at the NAACP convention in Detroit this week don't forget if you want to continue to see this kind of quality program designed just for us by us support Roland Martin unfiltered by going to rollinsmartin.com and joining the bring the funk fan club until next time which will be tomorrow but I won't be hosting I'm Monique Presley enjoy your evening it's Roland would say holla from BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Envy's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.